Hello everyone and welcome to Marking the Roll. My name is Phil Dye. This is a podcast for teachers and parents for anyone interested in education. Our last episode was on union overreach and it seems that most teachers had no idea that there was other unions that they could join um, that weren't political, that weren't pushing a political barrow. Um, I I got a message from Bob. Bob is not a teacher, but um, he says, my daughter, one of five girls who went to uni to become teachers, all five have now left. And at a recent get together, they told me the teachers union is an activist group with no interest on bettering learning outcomes in traditional subjects. Their their entire focus is on social engineering. Um, Well, Bob, uh, yeah, it's a shame because you've got five girls there who are probably great teachers and and they've now left. Um, but um, it seems to be that all of the unions or most of the unions in Australia, uh, teachers and, and non-teacher unions um, are becoming more focused on social engineering. Also got um, an email and she says... I've been a teacher for 22 years and had no idea then there was an alternative union to the AEU in Tasmania. I think that's Australian Education Union Tasmania. They are tearing down special schools in Tassie and lumping violent kids into our classrooms. I'm sick of being told to make reasonable adjustments for them when they need their own special school with specialist teachers. Surely it's the job of the AEU Tassie to represent us so we can do our job. Seemingly not. Please feel free to say my name fully as I'm sick of being quiet. Well, I, I'm not going to say your name because I think um, you could get into a bit of strife for that. But um, this is the sort of uh, thinking that is happening with many teachers. They're tired of being told to make reasonable adjustments when those reasonable adjustments are just impossible. Anyway, uh, there are alternatives to the mainstream unions, and we found out about that in the last episode. The TPAA, Teachers Professional Association of Australia, is one of them. Now, this episode, episode 35, is on Generation Alpha. Now, if you teach anything below year 10, uh, from preschool up to year 10, you are teaching Generation Alpha. We've had Generation X, Y, Z, but now we're on to Generation Alpha. Those born between 2010 and 2024. Uh, These kids include the COVID kids, the kids that have lived through COVID. And Uh, I also received this message about uh, the COVID kids or who are all a part of that Generation Alpha. I think there are COVID kids, but it's hard to quantify. I think there is more of a fatalism or a feeling nothing matters, that school is not important, maybe even irrelevant. And this comment. There's definitely COVID kids. Students have forgotten how to behave and learn in the classroom. Consideration for the learning environment is no longer thought of, they just do as they please. The ability to stick at a task has gone and they no longer are able to spend more than a few minutes at a task. They also do not do homework, even the students who do want to learn. But according to one teacher, this attitude existed 
well before COVID. COVID isolation and disruption compounded an already worsening situation. Students already found social situations difficult as they don't know how to socialize due to technology and often have a lack of positive role models at home. They lack resilience as we are pandering to their and their parents, every whim. I have an increasing number of high school students who do not know how to behave in a classroom or a school assembly, as they spent a large amount of the previous two years, often slouching around at home with feet on tables, lying on beds, and not being made to do their school work. They think that that behaviour is acceptable at school and out in the community. So COVID kids are a very real part of Generation Alpha. And in a second, I'll be talking to my guest, Mark McCrindle, um, about this Generation Alpha. But I'll be stopping a couple of times during the interview just to look at the at the um, impact of what he's saying on teachers and on education generally. Um, so, um, look, Mark McCrindle is the founder and principal of McCrindle Research. Uh, he's an award-winning social researcher. He's a best-selling author, influential thought leader, um, and he actually coined the phrase Generation Alpha. Uh, so I managed to talk to Mark and asked him, as I asked all guests, about his background. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Well, yeah, I'm a social researcher and demographer. I run this um, this business for Crindle that uh, uh, analyzes trends, looks at change and helps organizations understand what's next and how to respond uh, amidst the, the shifts. And those shifts might be generational. They might be uh, broader technological ones. Uh, sometimes there are global megatrends that impact us. Other times it's, it's perhaps more social trends. But uh, we look at those trends. We uh, look at the data behind that through whether it be surveys or in-depth interviews or other qualitative methods. Uh, sometimes it's data analytics and um, and demographic assessment, but all of that helps schools, organisations and, um, and, and government uh, entities observe the changes and respond proactively to them. Now, schools would be pretty much full of Generation Alpha. Can you just describe who Generation Alpha are and what are their major characteristics? Yes, well, we worked our way through the alphabet there with the generations to the end. We had Generation X, uh, those of us in our 40s and 50s, and Generation Y, the uh, millennials, as they were called, uh, in their family-forming years, so uh, well into their 30s now, and then and then Generation Z, the, the, the young adults of today. And after the end of that alphabet, we have proposed moving to the Greek alphabet with the naming. So Generation Alpha is the generation born since 2010, uh, and each of these generations now spans 15 years. So the children born now, they're becoming teenagers, starting to move into high school, but born since 2010 through to 2024 is the global generation, Generation Alpha. So they include uh, the COVID generation too, COVID kids. Exactly, yes. So, you know, born and shaped in a very unique time. So in COVID and, and post COVID uh, in this era where devices became, you know, essential for us to connect, that they've only ever known such a world of the of the device, of the technology, of, you know, AI and, um, and new forms of interactive technology, smart speakers and algorithms that create content for them. And, uh, and yes, in, in a new social environment where they've seen parents work remotely, work from home, and, uh, and even the place of work 
the location of it has certainly changed. And, and how do they differ from Gen Z? Well, they're even more global than the generation that went before in terms of the technology and the connectivity and, of course, uh, the ability to study. Yeah, we see workforce flows are truly global now and and the ability to travel. There'll, there'll be more global connection with this very culturally diverse generation than we've seen in the past, even more technological these devices and and uh, artificial intelligence has brought that to a new level, even more influenced through the social rather than just the authorities or the experts in their life. It's the influence of others. We found that TikTok is one of the key sources of learning for them. It's no longer just an entertainment platform, but it's a video platform where peers share information and content. And so it's that digital, social, global mobile visual generation you know that's how they consume content in a video-based form all of that is at a whole new level for the children of today and uh, and so you know those trends that are experienced in their formative years are, are creating difference in this generation even from those that went before now there's three vital points there for teachers uh, the first one is that the generation alpha have a more global perspective. They are culturally diverse. They get information from all over the world. When I was teaching, I used to look at the context and try and get local examples and look at what was happening locally to make it relevant for students. Well, that's no longer the case because their relevance is global. Um, also, they're technological, of course, you know, you knew that, um, but they've influenced socially so they look at the uh, the social organizations they belong to like tiktok and they're influenced by them not necessarily by uh, thought leaders that we used to have we'll get into that a little bit later and thirdly um video video is really big that's how they're influenced that's how they learn not just audio uh, and not through books and reading they're very video influenced Back to the interview. So if, if they're more likely to, uh, to learn from their social peers, perhaps on TikTok, um, does that mean that they're less likely to take notice of older people? Well, they certainly are more empowered as a cohort. And society has shifted in this regard. I mean, if we think about children historically, they, they were always trying to be older. Well, I'm, I'm seven, but I'm nearly eight, you know, and... Uh, and uh, and uh, the tweens, you know, emerged, the 8 to 12s. They were sort of like the teenagers we used to, to know, you know, but um, but they were they were sort of um, um, older. And 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 that that has continued um, at pace with this generation. Not only are they older, um, but they're in a society where people in terms of the adults are trying to be younger. You know, people are trying to down age. People are, are trying to. Um, uh, look at the popular culture. It's the young people that set that, uh, whether it be being the early adopters of technology or or the the music, the the movies, the fashions, the foods. You know, we're a, a society that, in many ways, is looking down to the younger ones who have that empowerment and and that influence. Um, at the time that the younger generation are uh, have the tools in their hands and are, are able to shape things at a younger age, even parental purchasing decisions, kid fluence, we call it, is at a whole new level today. Yeah, we found that yeah. four in five families with Generation Alpha say they've had their 
purchasing and consumption decisions shaped to be more environmentally friendly by their generation alpha children. So that's all to say that, yeah, young people are more empowered. They've got more of a voice and a say and an influence and a channel and technology in their hands. And, and this carries through to the classroom. So it's not as though it's just a sit and listen generation that are going to have adults out the front teach. It is a generation that wants to be part of that equation and through their technology are. And so I think that has changed the, the classroom dynamics. So their attitude to authority has changed dramatically, I'd imagine. Yeah, it has. And it's not to say that they're anti-authority, um, just that they have grown up in a time where the structures are flatter and where they're consulted more. You know, if we look at parents, uh, they, uh, um, in a sense, have have more of a, a conversational approach with their children. They, they It's not as uh, top-down a society as used to be the case. Schools and, um, and regimes aren't as authoritarian. Um, the, the voice and the input of children is is listened to more, and and I think there's that, that that's great in in many ways, uh, but also you know it is a generation that um, are being shaped where uh, they recognise that they need to learn to bridge those generation gaps themselves. It's an older world as we look at mm. uh, the the longevity boom and uh, the workforce and its ageing profile, and so for the future. We're going to need Generation Alpha, not just to have everyone adjusting and adapting to accommodate their needs, but them to be given the empathy skills and the people's skills to adapt and respond to older generations. And, and we'll, we'll do them a great service if we can develop their people skills and their ability to bridge gaps and connect with the older, not just um, expect everything to conform to their perspective. Some interesting comments there from Mark. He said that um, children are listened to more and children become influential, uh, especially on environmental issues. So the adults are looking down to the kids and taking advice, uh, recommendations from the kids. Now, I don't think that's ever happened before. Uh, So it's certainly happening now. Um, He also said that... um, Yes, they need to be taught how to have empathy and the skills to bridge the gaps with perhaps older people and the older generation. Now, it's true they have the tools, they have the technology uh, in order to get information, but it's then giving them um, the ability to know what information to have, what is misinformation, what is rubbish. And I, I'm sure there's lots of good information on TikTok, although I'm not on it, but I'm also sure there's lots of rubbish. Uh, so they have to learn uh, how to distinguish between what is solid and what is not. Back to the interview. So, Mark, what has actually forged them? Has it been the likes of a, a Greta Thunberg or uh, anyone in particular who has made them who they are? Well, it's the it's the voice of the generation as a whole that has empowered them. Uh, you know, it, it, it's quite different to generations past where the influencers, the, 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 the icons, were t- tended to be people a bit older than them. For, for children, they were... They were perhaps older teens or early 20-somethings who were those music stars or those Hollywood influencers. Uh, for this generation, 
we've seen the democratization of influence. We've seen the influences on social media platforms develop perhaps micro audiences. If we were to rattle off who the big influences are for them, well, it's going to be different in each community or area. And, uh, and many of them that might even be global are certainly not household names to us because it's not the era of the monolithic influencer or celebrity for this generation. And therefore, they're being influenced through those more diverse social media platforms and through influence circles that maybe are more nuanced to their particular fashion or topic of interest or hobby or sport. And uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's certainly uh, more of a dynamic space in terms of influence and shaping than we've seen in the past. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, that continues to change. So have you seen Generation Alpha influencers, for example, a 10-year-old influencer? Is that the sort of person who will, you know, that other, others will listen to? Yeah, there are. There are those younger people who are on these platforms. I mean, keep in mind that for most of them, um, the age to get on these sites is 14 years of age. So, oh, so often, right. yeah. often they're there with with families or with with a, a broader context um, uh, as they start those influence channels. But uh, but yes, um, your know, Ryan's Toys was one that emerged probably 15 years ago and really highlighted to the world that here's a a youngster who tests out toys and has a global audience, mainly facilitated you know by his parents. But that showed how these your children can develop a platform and an audience and certainly <clears throat> over the decade and a half since it's really exploded and and and, and it's have the platforms you know it's not just youtube now it's tiktok it's not just yeah. instagram or facebook it's uh it's these you know smaller sites that they're connecting on and uh and often amongst you know their own peers or or community but uh but yes a lot of their peers are are younger people um, that are that are shaping them through new platforms and through um, you know their particular contacts. Wow! So they're more likely going to be influenced by their own age. Um, I don't know about you, but I was influenced by musicians and people older than myself. Um, I remember my father used to be influenced by doctors. He thought the doctors were God. I remember I asked him one one time when he was about 78 what the tablets we f were for, and he said, I don't know. The doctor told me to take them. So there was no questioning of that authority and that influence. Um, but now it is very, very different. So teachers, you've got a little bit of a hurdle to jump straight away because they're more likely to take notice of uh, others their age than you so mark what are, what are they best at besides technology they're obviously good at technology <laughs> well they are very good at that um and it's almost intuitive to them um the speed at which they can you know um use the technology and and access information is phenomenal because growing up digital has shaped them um, incredibly but they are very creative as well because that's this world you have to shape something um, you have to take something and tweak it and, and and make it your own that's what these platforms have done um, and there's often a visual element to that there's there's a creative element to to making a video to communicating a point in a very 
succinct way. You know, it's a it's a short form world, and so they're they're able to communicate uh, effectively, or at least see what effective communication looks like using visuals and communicating in a, in a very you know time efficient way. They're very entrepreneurial because that's what is being modelled. It's not an era where they just aspire to work for a big corporation or develop a career with one employer. They know they're going to be multi-career and multi-job, and some of those jobs will be jobs that they create themselves. It's a gig economy world. Uh, it's a world of the contractor and the self-employed, and they've seen great models of entrepreneurialism from a young age as well. They're adaptive to change, and so this word, you know, dynamic, you know, the future is not sequential or structured. It's far more fluid and being adaptive to change, responsive to trends is something of their 21st century world. And that defines them as well. And do you think COVID influenced that? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, COVID was a disruptor, um, as has been your AI and, and these new forms of technology. Uh, they they take us by surprise. Uh, they, they aren't just trends that we respond to or waves of change that we surf. They're they're elements of change that um, uh, hit us from the side and uh, and therefore need a uh, a quick and and nimble response to and uh, and you know they've they've grown up in this world of geopolitical shifts of of, of pandemic shifts of social responses to that the world of work uh, technology and indeed these broader global trends uh, it's just like the air they breathe and they're, they're having to be adaptive in that way. Now, um, if that's what they're good at, they're, they're great at adapting, they, they're creative, they're terrific with technology. Um, but what don't they like? For example, I'm imagining that they're not that great at sport, but is that incorrect? Well, they have access to more tips and skills and drills through the technology, so they can develop um, a lot of techniques even through sports. But yes, they are spending longer um, in a virtual world than a physical one, or at least they are interacting much on screens rather than always getting out there and, and doing that thing. Um, screens um, have for them become uh, not just taking more time, but for some addictive in their nature. And that, that can be problematic. We've seen the rise of things like nature deficit disorders, where it's a, a generation that really is uncertain um, getting outdoor, and particularly in 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 um, a bushland type setting where they they, they just don't feel at ease. Um, parents are more anxious about children um, riding bikes or, or making their way out and about with friends. So, so the ability to um, get outdoors, to plan um, those interactions, to perhaps develop their own uh, sense of play and fun, and to to socially interact with others when it's not facilitated. These have been some of the challenges that they have faced. Uh, memory has been uh, put under a bit of pressure for this generation because you don't need to memorize anything when you're a few clicks away from any piece of information on the planet. And so developing those mnemonics, the, the structured learning, the focused attention in a world of of shorter attention spans and edutainment, this is this is a challenge for this generation as well. To be persistent, to show grit, to push through obstacles, to accept boredom as part of learning and indeed work, and yet to to recognise that without the repetition, uh, we're not going to develop the great skills, and um, and it's part of life. You know, these are some of the challenges that that all of the technology, great as it is, has uh, put before them. 
some more very valid points for teachers there that the screens for Generation Alpha have become uh, addictive in many cases uh, to the stage where students suffer nature deficit disorder where they, 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 they don't know what to do when they get out in in the, the natural world. Now there's big implications there for teachers who used to take kids on camps and all of that sort of thing. Um, perhaps some of them aren't going to want to do that to partake in sport. They spend more time inside, so therefore sport is not something that they're that great at, although, as Mark said, they can learn the skills online, uh, but not put them into practice, of course, with their bodies. Um, they're not as good as social at social interaction, and the thing that got me what, from what Mark said is that their memory has suffered. Now, for those who... Um, are proponents of direct instruction. This means that direct instruction is going to be a lot harder for them because they have to not learn by uh, doing their own practice or doing their own discovery, but they have to learn by listening, and that is not something that they're great at doing. I think one of the other things that Mark said was that um, they have to learn to accept boredom, that doing nothing is not something they're good at. Um, just to sit and think or sit and look. But boredom is a pretty important part of life and it's certainly a part of work and kids can't chase excitement all the time. And perhaps as teachers we can help them learn how to be bored and the importance of it. Not too much of it, but certainly a bit of it. Marking the role is not for profit and run by volunteers. However, there's still lots of costs involved in running a podcast. You can help by becoming a subscriber for $35 per year or by making a small donation. Just go to Marking the Roll on Substack or click one of the links in the episode notes. Thanks for listening. Now, look, what about the Generation Alpha parents? Um, you, you've no doubt looked at, looked at them as well because they're, they're, they've created the gener, Generation Alpha. How, what, how do they differ to others? What, what marks them? Well, there, many are, are struggling to work out how to equip these children for this 21st century world. How do you future-proof in terms of skills and and study? What what matters most? Uh, you know, should they learn to code, or, or should they should they focus on on the study? Um, does does numeracy have a and, and literacy have a big future, or in a world of AI, you know, are they better off just being creative and um, and indeed, you know, mm. entrepreneurial. Um, should they get a job, or should they should they focus in you know, on on further and further, you know, higher education? So these are the challenges that their parents face, and really, the parents are raising their children in a world that is disconnected from the one they knew. You know, parenting we learn by well being a child and and observing our own parents, and much of that we we then pick up and and parent in our in our own way to the next generation, but. But there is a big gap now between the parents and the children because the parents were shaped. Yes, there was the visuals and there was the the, the, the digital and the internet, but not what we have today. And there's almost a divide between the 20th century world that shaped the parents and this 21st century world where their children are growing up. And, and the children are the experts. The children know the technology better than the parents, even when it comes to, for example, helping them with their primary school work. Well, the platforms on which they're learning might be a bit foreign to the 
parents certainly the the interactive forms the the the, the curriculum but the means on which it's communicated not in exercise book or textbook can create a bit of a challenge where parents say you know i i can't even help you with this work and that's been a a divide between parent and child that we haven't seen before yes it also makes it difficult for teachers i'd imagine i suppose young teachers coming out have an advantage um and i I guess it's very difficult to try and get a 10 year old uh on a tiktok uh, to teach other 10-year-olds how to do multiplication. <laughs> but but what should teachers look out for? How, how do you think a teacher could best engage them? Well, firstly, we need to understand these realities, these changes, these trends. You know, the generational research is robust because it defines not just an age or life stage, but also the context, the experiences, the social markers, the events, the, the upbringing, and all of that um, has a profound difference you know, teachers are experts at training young people, but training a young person or educating a, a child in the 1980s is different to, to training one today. Um, and what works for the millennials or Generation Y when they were this age may not work for their children. So we need to adapt. Hmm. But at the same time, teachers are professional educators. And whether it be the structure of the brain, whether it be basic learning Um, modalities or childhood development there are some things that don't change it's just part of who we are it's part of our biology it's part of the timeless human drivers and teachers need to keep that in mind in other words yes there's a, a a sense to which we need to adapt and respond but there's a sense to which we need to ensure that structures and timeless uh content and indeed the development of character and and life skills formation is a key part of our our educational experience. Uh, not everything that was useful in the past is being or ought to be thrown out. Um, you know, it's balancing what's new and responsive, uh, and do we need to adapt to? But what do we need to get back to? That's the key art of teaching. And I guess content is something that Generation Alpha can't influence. I mean, they they can't say to the teachers, "Look, we don't want to learn this. We want to learn that." Um, that's still very much in the hands of the bureaucrats. So it's a matter of them listening to what Generation Alpha or how they learn as well, I suppose. Well, exactly. And and hopefully having a sense of the future in mind, because, you know, as I said, it's not a job for life. It's not even career for life anymore. This is the generation of multi-careers, of lifelong learning, of upskilling and retraining. And many of these young people now moving into primary school um, will actually not only be living in the 21st century in the 22nd century but working still active in the workplace in the 22nd century so uh, we need to keep in mind uh, what do we need to equip them with so that they can continue to learn how to learn rather than equipping them with content which will have a shorter half-life than ever before. Yes, that's an amazing thought that they'll be in the 22nd century. Yes. Look, look, finally, Mark, um, the sort of work I'm gathering, it, the, the sort of work is flexible work, it's, it's um, work that will involve creativity, but what do you think will best suit them? Well, definitely, you know, it's, 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 yes, it's flexibility so that they'll need to have some sense of the ability to work independently, uh, regardless and, and, and flexibly, you know, regardless of where, um, but also 
uh, to in, in a world of flatter structures to to be a bit more self-empowered in delivering those outputs to be a bit more entrepreneurial and solving problems not just you know responding to what a, a, a task list given to us by an employer is um, the ability to plug back into learning and maybe it's going to be micro credentialing it's going to be a quick upskill that mm. helps us remain relevant for the next season uh, to be confident in moving across industries or sectors or or organizations that's going to be key and to be uh, skilled not just in the technological world but the people world because you know even in the future the most valuable skills will be distinctively human ones the technology will come and go and is going to continually be improved but what doesn't change is the human experience so if they develop the ability to communicate to lead to build empathy to engage with others to resolve conflict to connect that is going to be key uh, because AI, robotics and computers are great at doing procedural things and great at doing complex things, but they're not great at connecting with people. That's what the human role is. And that was Mark McCrindle, who actually coined the phrase Generation Alpha. Interesting what he said at the end, that no matter about uh, artificial intelligence and the technology that Generation Alpha use, it does still come down to human human interaction and good communication. And that's something that teachers have to really ensure that this generation learn. Because um, I think over the last five to ten years, they've forgotten some of that. Now, uh, the McCrindle website will be on the web addresses in the episode notes. Um, but McCrindle, they're offering Generation Alpha Masterclasses. So um, if you want to learn some more about the generation that you're teaching, just go to mccrindle.com.au. mccrindle.com.au. Don't forget you can feed back by sending us emails, marking the role at gmail.com. I think that's the easiest one, marking the role at gmail.com. Um, just send us your point of view. Also, you can leave a voice message, in other words, an audio message, by going to Marking the Role at Substack, and along the top you'll see Leave an Audio Message. Um, And you can do that. We won't mention your name, and we can change your voice. Just let us know if you want your voice changed. Okay, next, next episode is going to be on the neuroscience of learning, and I will be interviewing Sam Sterrett from the Scotch College in Perth, and he's a true advocate of cognitive load theory. So we'll be talking about the science of learning and then the following week we'll also be doing something similar. Um, Looking at how the year's been for you but also looking at some more about how kids learn and especially the role of exercise. My name's Phil Dye. You've been listening to Marking the Role. See you next time. 